hear Jesus. So four things, number one, you must acquire the language of the kingdom. If you come to the kingdom of God, understand what language is God speaking. That's Jesus. Number two, we said you must also acquire the culture of the kingdom. In this kingdom of God, there is a culture, there is a motivation, there is a way in which we do things. And the way God does things in the kingdom of God is through and by love. First John chapter 4 verse 8 and verse 16. God is love. If I'm going to function in the kingdom of God, then I must understand, I must come and function or be motivated by love. Number three, essentially in the kingdom of God, we said that it, the, there's an operating system. So I speak the language of God. I understand the culture of God, which is love. But there's also an operating system apart from which you will be frustrated. The kingdom of God does not function on well wishing and sentiments and oh I wish this happened. I w-. No, 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 no. The kingdom of God has operating system just like our computers. If you have a Mac computer, you know that it has a, a Mac uh, uh, system that, that runs it. You cannot run a Mac system with Microsoft. It doesn't work. I don't care how much you pay for it. It just does not work. You cannot run a Microsoft with Apple. They are what? Incompatible. Both are good systems. They just don't work together. So in the kingdom of God, there is only one way to operate. And it's called by faith. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. It doesn't matter how well you look. It doesn't matter how many degrees you have on the wall. It doesn't matter how well you sing. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Those that come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, today, for today's message, Jesus and the power of thanksgiving, we now zero in on number four. Number four, ascension of the kingdom. And that is, there is an attitude that makes the kingdom work for you. There's an attitude where it comes to the kingdom of God. And the attitude that is prevailing in the kingdom of God is thanksgiving. Say thanksgiving. thanksgiving. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 20, the Bible says that we should give thanks always and in all things to God by Jesus Christ. That's our Lord. We should give thanks. Not some of the time. Say always. always. When I'm feeling good. When I'm not feeling as good. When I'm on a high. When I'm on a low. Always. Thanksgiving must never be determined by the circumstance in which you find yourself. The attitude of the kingdom of God is the thanksgiving. Always and in everything. Always and in everything. Listen, I pray that God will open your ears to hear by the revelation of the Lord Jesus today what God is trying to say to us. Because I'm telling you that your attitude in the kingdom of God will determine your altitude. How high you go in the kingdom of God will be determined by the attitude you have. 
I've been there. I can tell you from experience. I remember years ago, I had been invited to a big meeting. Two months before the meeting, I got a letter. Well, not a letter, a phone call. A phone call. The phone call came to disinvite me. Yeah, disinvitation. You know, you guys know about invitations, right? Well, not only did I get invited, I also got disinvited. Huge. In fact, this happened to me many, many times. Wow, when I got a phone call. And the guy said to me, you know what, we know you're supposed to come in two months, blah, 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 but, uh, uh, and it was, it was stammering, he didn't know how to tell me. <laughs> Finally, it landed, and the bottom line is, you are disinvited. Now, at that point, I had two choices. I can play the victim and complain and murmur and say, why would they disinvite me? Do they, do they know who I am? Or I can set my eyes on her and recognize that if they invited me, God made them do it. And if they now disinvite me, God has a hand in it. I sat down in my office and crafted a letter thanking that ministry for, first of all, inviting me. Letting them know that I recognize that God placed me on, my, on their heart to invite me. And if God could do that, he also have, has the right to disinvite. I thanked the man for everything. And then I included a seed, $1,000, to support the meeting. True story. And then when the meeting time came, I showed up. And I received ministry. Why? Because I believe the word of God. Giving thanks always. When you are invited, you give thanks. When you are disinvited, you give thanks. When your children are doing excellently, you give thanks. When they are blowing it big time, you give thanks. When your husband is doing well, you give thanks. When he's misbehaving, you give thanks. When your wife is abusing you, you give thanks. When she's praising you, you give Whatever the circumstance. True story. True story. The following year, I got a re-invitation. <laughs> same ministry, same conference. Wow. Now, did I expect, did I know it was going to happen like that? No. And the truth is, it doesn't even matter. I did not do what I did because of reinvention. I did it because I know God. So, I, so a few weeks at the meeting, the devil said, they will disinvite you again. <laughs> the phone call is coming. They will disinvite you again. I was hearing it loud and clear. But the day came, to the glory of God, we got a chance to minister there. Do you not know? That was the largest gift I ever received in ministry. If all of you were saved, I'll tell you the amount. <laughs> I'm not joking. Over $50,000. 
over $75,000. Actually, 100K. 60 minutes speaking. 60 minutes. Now, is it what I said that brought the harvest? No! No! Absolutely not. It had nothing to do with what I said. It has everything to do with a God who orchestrates things in the affairs of man and who is inviting you and I to speak the language of his son, to walk in the culture of his kingdom, to operate in the faith of his kingdom and then demonstrate the thanksgiving that is required to keep doors open over your life. Oh, I can tell you stories after stories. I can tell you stories after stories after stories. Another time, before we started the church, ministry was supporting us with X amount of money every month. They've done that for about three years, and they wrote us a letter and said, listen, the support will stop. Have we not tried three years of support? Is it an eternal thing? No. The man wrote us and said, listen, we've done it for three years. Our ministry is changing. We're looking at some other things. And we'd like to stop the support. My friend and I received the letter on the same day. Grand, grand, grand. He calls me on the phone. Bank. Can you believe this man? He's cutting our support. Is he cutting yours too? I say yes. How dare him do that? God is blessing him. His ministry is good. I said, man, I, I didn't give him any ministry. True story. Again. Again. My wife and I were purposed. Bought the money gift. Took it there in person to thank him for the three years, of, three years of support. Listen, I'm telling you about Thanksgiving. I don't have to look at the book. I can, I can tell you it works. As I entered the church building before I could even see the pastor, his accountant met me on the, on the way. Ah, Brother Bank, I just want to let you know, pastor has decided to double your support. From being cut off to being doubled. That's what happened. Listen, when Paul said that you and I should give thanks always and in all things, there is something that is trying to pass across to us and I pray today that God will open our ears so we will hear it in Jesus' name. The power of thanksgiving. So in this story in Luke chapter 17, we see Jesus healing 10 men. Actually, when you read the passage, he just says to them, go and show yourself to the priest. Now, there are some things about leprosy that you and I need to understand it so we can really fully understand what was happening. Jesus was shocked that having cured these 10 men, only one returned to give thanks. I pray that God will not find you and I an ungrateful generation. I pray that God will not have the, the reason or the need to chastise us for being an ingrate. In Kyoten, only one and a stranger at that returned to give thanks. The rest of them just went about their jolly way. Now, very quickly, 
you need to understand that leprosy is a physical counterpart of a spiritual problem. Sin. Every one of us who is not born again, you have a leprosy right now. And for those of us who are born again, we have been cured of leprosy. Leprosy in the scriptures, for the most part, was used to describe, really it was a physical counterpart or a physical manifestation of a spiritual problem. You see this in Numbers chapter 12 with Miriam. I don't have time to read it, but I'll give you a reference. Numbers chapter 12, verses 1 through 9. Miriam raised up her voice against Moses, and the Bible said, bang, she became struck with leprosy. Immediately. Again, we see this in 2 Chronicles chapter 26, verses 16 through 21, where King Uzziah presumed out of pride that was in his heart to minister in the office of a priest. And a priest told him, don't do this. You're not supposed to do this. This is a sin against God. And he will not listen. And he was going to burn incense. And the Bible says as he began to burn incense, leprosy appeared on his forehead. So leprosy is a manifestation many times of a spiritual problem. Now, this is important that you get this. Because leprosy is used as a physical manifestation of something spiritual, most times in the scriptures, whenever a leper is cured, you will see the scripture refer to that as being cleansed, not healing. Most times, nine out of ten times, whenever a leper is being cured in the scriptures, or if Jesus was given instruction, go and heal the sick, but cleanse the leper. Consistently, Matthew chapter 8 verse 2, Matthew chapter 10 verse 8, Luke 7, Luke 4, Mark 1. It's all over the scriptures. Cleanse was used, not healing. Why? Because God is trying to convey to us that this condition has a spiritual root. And just as you don't heal sin, you cleanse a sinner. That's the same parallel that we see with leprosy. Now, how do I say this? Let's go to Leviticus chapter 3, chapter 13. Leviticus chapter 13. Verses 2 and 3. Leviticus chapter 13, verses 2 and 3. Thank you. When a man has on the skin of his body a swelling, a scab, or a bright spot, and it becomes on the skin of his body like a leper's sore, then it shall be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons the priest. Please remember that scripture. Verse 3. The priest shall examine the sore on the skin of the body, and if the hair on the sore has turned white, da, 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 da. okay, last sentence, then the priest shall examine him and pronounce him unclean. Now, there's much more to say there, but I don't need to read all of the scriptures. But this is the point. You need to understand the context. Because when Jesus cured these ten lepers, he just didn't kill them and say, go home. He said, go show yourself to the priest. Is that what you read in Luke chapter 17? That's what they said. Go show yourself to the priest. Why? 
the Levitical law regarding lepers. Hear this. The Levitical law, that's the law of Moses. The law of Moses regarding lepers was designed to help you and I understand the limitations of the law of Moses. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. When you understand what I'm saying to you, you will never want to live under the law. What was the limitation? When a person had leprosy, according to Leviticus chapter 13, they went to the priest. The priest examines them. The priest has been trained to identify leprosy. So he identifies it. And the priest confirms, oh yes, this is leprosy. And then the priest does what? He pronounces the individual, you are unclean. That's the extent of how much the priest under the law can go. He can see the the leprosy. He can identify it. He can condemn the individual as unclean. But as priest under Moses, he could not effect any change or help the individual. So Jesus said, go to the priest. Let the priest, who up till now cannot do a thing to help your situation, to change your circumstance. Let the priest come to reckon that the Messiah is in the house. Oh, I don't know about you this afternoon, but there's a Messiah that is here to cure, to cleanse, to heal, and to pronounce you clean. Something that the law of Moses was impotent, could not do, was not designed to do. Hallelujah. So Jesus said, go to the priests. They are your leaders in Israel. Go to them. Let the priest be confounded. Let him ask, how did this happen? Now you can appreciate the story of the Good Samaritan. Because back in Israel, in that day, whenever the priest touched anything that was dead or unclean, the priest became unclean. So when the priest on the road to Jericho saw a man that was laid down as dead. It was not a result of insensitivity that didn't go near. No. You are reading it under the law. No, 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 no. They did not go near the man because the law would pronounce the priest unclean if he dared touch the man. Therefore, in Mark chapter 1, in verse 41, when the leper cried out to Jesus, I said, Jesus, are you willing or able to cleanse me? Oh, Jesus says, not only am I willing, I'm going to touch you. Because you see, the priest under Moses, they don't dare touch you. Because if they touch you, they got what you got. But I can touch you because I am the greater of all the priests. I am the great high priest. I'm the one that's merciful. I'm the loving one. If I touch you, I transfer to you what I have. I impute to you my cleanliness, my holiness, my righteousness. Therefore, I'm not like those priests under the threat of being unclean. And that's why the Bible says Jesus touched him. 
Jesus will touch someone here today. Amen. I say, Jesus will touch someone here today. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Give you thanks always. And in all things. Now. Oh my goodness. Time, 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 time. There's too much stuff. There's too much stuff. So Jesus was lamenting that out of nine, out of ten, only one returned to give thanks. The reason for that is because under the Levitical law, and give me Leviticus chapter 14. Leviticus chapter 14, verse 2. This shall be the law of the leper for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest. And the priest shall go out of the camp. And the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the leprosy is healed in the leper, next verse, then the priest shall command to take for him who shall be cleansed two living and clean birds. Cedar wood, scarlet, and high soap. Let's just stop there. That's enough. You see, not only was the leper cleansed, but Jesus knew by implication that whenever a leper was cleansed, there was an attending sacrifice or thanksgiving that was associated with the cleansing. There was a thanksgiving. You just read it. Leviticus chapter 4. 14 rather. Verse 3. Whoever was cleansed will bring a sacrifice, an offering, a thanks offering to thank God for what has just happened. So in likewise manner, for you and I, as believers who have been cleansed of lepers, of leprosy, we should always offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. That's what Peter was talking about. In 1 Peter chapter 2, chapter 2 verse 5, where he says that you and I, we've been built a spiritual house, a living stone, a holy, sacrifice, a holy priesthood, he says, and that we should offer what? Spiritual sacrifices unto God. Through the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because there is something about thanksgiving that opens the windows of heaven. There is something about thanksgiving that unlocks doors that has been shut before. And when you look at the life of Jesus himself, his life is a pattern for us. Can you imagine? The creator of heaven and earth, the son of God, the lamb of God, in fact, the bread of life, Offering thanks for bread. Hello? Did you not read it? When he multiplied the loaves and the fishes in John chapter 6, what did he do? He gave thanks. Really? The bread of life, giving thanks for bread? Why is he doing that? To show me and you a pattern. He got to the grave of Lazarus. He who is the life and the resurrection. Before he could call forth Lazarus. First and foremost said, I thank you. Because you hear me always. Showing me and you the pattern of living a life. 
saturated with thanks and thanksgiving. Jesus, who as his crucifixion was impending, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 11, 24, as he was anticipating becoming the Passover lamb, he gave thanks. In other words, whatever persecution or trial or tribulation we are faced with, just as he was, the attitude that prevails in those situations is that of thanksgiving. Hallelujah. In Matthew eleven twenty five, 25, the one who is our wisdom, Jesus, was thankful for the wisdom that's given to the simple. So in doing all of these things, Jesus himself gives us the example, the pattern of living that we should be thankful always. Oh, I'm so reminded of David. One of the big figures of the Old Testament. I do not know anyone who went through more stuff than David did in the Old Testament. He went through so much. And yet, having gone through as much as he went through, the Bible records for us, Psalms 34, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise will continually be my mouth. Then he tells us in Psalms 100 that we should enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And to his court we praise. Why? Because he recognizes the power that's available in the giving of thanks. Let me just quickly as I round up go to Genesis chapter 43. Genesis chapter 43. The context is there's great famine on the face of the earth. Genesis 43 verse 1. There's great famine taking place on the, on the earth as we read. Now the famine was severe in the land. Now I don't know where you are right now. I don't know what kind of famine you're dealing with. In your finance, in your relationships, in your businesses. Whatever the famine is, I'm telling you, the answer is the same. It does not matter. The circumstance does not change God. God changes the circumstance. I want you to read and see this clearly. Now, the famine was severe. Not just there was a famine. There are levels of famine. You must understand that. The famine was what? Severe. Ah, I say, Pastor, my mortgage is due like last week. That's severity. I couldn't pay for my car note. Now it's gone on two months. That's severity. But do you not know that that does not move God? Because, like Nee said in prayer, is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending. He finished it before he began it. He did. Look at verse 11, same chapter. Genesis 43, 11. And their father Israel said to them, now for 10 verses they've sat down, they said there's no food, we're going to die, we don't know what we're going to do. Then Jacob said this. If it must be so, then do this. What are we going to do, Jacob? Watch. Take some of the best fruits of the land in your vessels. And carry down a present for the man, a little balm, and a little honey, spices, and more pistachio nuts and almonds. Wait a minute. Should we not save this and eat because it's for me? Hello? 
church folks. You're keeping back. You're holding back on God because you say there's a famine. Your, your case is severe. But look at, look at Jacob. His entire household was about to go down. The famine is severe. But he recognizes in order for you guys to go back to Egypt to, to buy more food or get more food, you can go empty-handed. Hey! Hallelujah! God is about to break forth over your lives if you just hearken to his voice and respond to his spirit. These are people that are desperate. Verse 25. Watch what happens. Then they made the present ready for Joseph's coming at noon. For they heard that they would eat bread there. Verse 26. Verse 26. And when Joseph came home, they brought him the present which was in their hand into the house and bowed down before him to their. That was a breakthrough. The gift that they brought was a breakthrough to the provision. Thanksgiving. Hallelujah. Before they ever met Joseph face to face, they had purpose in their heart. We will not go there empty. We are starving. We don't have a lot of resources, but such as I have, I'm taking it. Why? I'm taking the gift, the Thanksgiving gift, to as a as, as an expression of our thanksgiving for favors that were done previously. Comma. Say comma. Thank you. And also as a confident expression of favor they were about to receive. Hey, hallelujah. And heaven's open for them. The history changed here. What do you give to God? How grateful have you and I been? Paul tells us in Philippians 4, 6. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, we pray on supplication with thanksgiving. We should make our request known to God. Notice what it says. Be careful for nothing. But everything in prayer, supplication. With thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is the highest form of confident expectation. In other words, when I begin to give thanks to God, I'm saying, God, I realize that some things are not well, but I'm coming to you as a sovereign God. I've acknowledged that you are the only one that can fix my situation. Therefore, even though I've not seen the change, I'm thanking you. Thanksgiving. This is something you give in advance. Oh, I pray that God will help us. I pray that God will help you and I, that we will get the message and the lifestyle of thanksgiving. Parents, we should teach this to our kids from childhood. Oh, yes. When you give them one dollar, if you don't give thanks, you need to call them back. Make sure they get the message. And every time they must be taught the opportunity to give thanks. Not next week after the event. No. The value of thanks diminishes over time. The value of thanks diminishes over time. I'm telling
you guys. Even as an unbeliever, it worked for me. As an unbeliever, because this is a principle of God, and it will work for whoever uses it. I got a job at Eastern years ago before I came to the, to the pastoral ministry. Because the job was not supposed to happen. They told me they were not hiring. And I went through the process and they hired. Ah. I didn't know anything else to do. I went and found a packer pen. Bought it and took it to the HR manager. And gave the secretary a necklace. The man got the thing opening and scratched his head. He said, do you know how many people have walked through this room? Do you know how many people have, I have given jobs to? None of them ever comes back to say thank you. They think it's their entitlement. And you came back, it blew him away. But for the nine years that I was there, any job opening that I wanted, he just took a phone call. My request went to the pile of the list. You think your certificate and your qualification will give you a job? Are you an ingrate? You will get zero. Zero! Ingrates don't impress God. But those that have gratitude impress him. Those nine who were cured only took a cure back. That's all they got. Oh, you didn't get it. They were only cured and became what they were before leprosy. Nothing else was added to them. Oh, you didn't get that? Did you get that? They only got from Jesus what they were before they came to him. No addition. No, that's not what my Bible says. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, more, more, say more, more. say more. more, say more. We serve the God of the more. But that more is released through your attitude of gratitude. Amen. The one that returned to give thanks, ha, Jesus looked at him with, really? Not only are you cured, you are well, you are made whole. In other words, anything else that has to do with your life, can it done? It's done. The other jokers, they are just cured. Which means if we are cured today, they may catch you again tomorrow. <laughs> it begins with us as adults, as parents. We have to teach our children. We have to help them to come to the place where they live a life not of entitlement, but of gratitude. This morning I came to church and a young boy, 10 years old, whom my wife and I just gave a little gift to last Sunday. A little gift. Look at the letter this boy wrote to us. I was sitting in the central and he brought it to me this morning. I didn't, I didn't know what it was. And I opened it. They said, Dear Pastor Siren and Banka Kemola. Her full name. <laughs> Thank you for the money. I really appreciate it. Now look at this. I pray God will continue to put money in your pocket. Watch this. I pray God will continue to provide for you. 
I pray the goodness of your heart will spread to others. Then he says, thank you for the encouragement. With thanks, Enoch Fabi. I wanted to read that because it touched me. And because it's a tender boy that wrote this letter, I know it touched God. And I feel that it will help us to seal the message on the Jesus and the power of thanksgiving. It means much to God that you and I are not just knocking on this door. God, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. When will you thank him for what he did last week? When will you thank him for keeping you, for blessing you? Amen? Amen. Thanksgiving is a confident expectation that the sovereign God is able and willing to meet your needs as you comply and walk in his kingdom. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. Amen. Let me just close it right there. Let me move on and just release us. For those of you who's hearing this for the first time, every service we try to do a commission, we try to release uh, because we believe that me and you have been enabled, empowered, and received the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to be the salt and the light of the earth. And therefore, we do not take that lightly. Uh, if you just indulge me, if all of us will just stand for a minute. I'm going to read the scripture from 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. If you just give that to me, okay. This is Paul speaking to Timothy. He said, And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. As we all stand before God this morning, we, like Paul, should have the same attitude of thanksgiving. That God has placed you and I in the ministry. Now, I know traditionally we think of ministry as pastors and prophets, evangelists, apostles, and teachers. There is no greater lie than that. All of us are ministers before God. Every believer is a minister. We just minister on different platforms. Different platforms. You're a student. You're a lawyer. You're an engineer. You're a doctor. IT specialist. Homemaker. Whatever you are, the grace of God unto salvation has appeared to all men. And Jesus, we are told in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 7, and 8, has given unto all of us the ministry of reconciliation. There are people I can reach that you cannot reach. There are others that you can reach and I cannot reach. Ephesians chapter 4 talks about how each part brings its own joint. And that it is in so doing, Ephesians 4, 12, that we grow the body of Christ in love. You've got something that the world is waiting for. So Paul says, give thanks for that. Give thanks that God has put something in you. Now, 
I read the scripture earlier in First Peter two five. The father we are living stones, spiritual house, called to give sacrifices unto God. Now, unlike Israel, we are not offering birds or turtles. Thank God. <laughs> For you and I today, Hebrews thirteen fifteen says we offer the fruit of our lips. We give thought, God, Father, thank you for waking me up this morning. Thank you for this great day. Thank you for what you're doing in my life. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my children. Thank you, Lord God, for the privilege, the opportunity to be in ministry. Thank you for those you're going to bring my way today that I'm going to share the gospel with. Thank you for the power of God that will be manifesting in my life. Thank you and thank you. Just having a thankful lifestyle. You and I are now called as priests like order of Aaron. Thank God. Aaron's order can only identify leprosy and pronounce uncleanness, but cannot do anything about it. You are called to the order of Jesus' priesthood. And as such, not only can you identify leprosy, you can pronounce them clean by the grace and the power of the living God. And that's the charge I'm giving us today. That the sinners or the, or the unbelievers that will touch you will not defile you. But that their mere proximity to you will bring cleanliness to their lives. Because you will recognize the grace that you carry. That you carry the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that in that grace, you have the power of God to pronounce them clean. Through the proclamation of the gospel and through believing that they receive the word that you pronounce. And so let's just lift up our hands before God. Father, we just want to thank you. We do not count or take this privilege lightly. We thank you for your word. You've called us to be kings and priests unto you. Not according to Aaron's order, but according to your order and that of Melchizedek. And so Lord Jesus, we recognize that we have the power within us. Because greater is he that's within us than he that's in the world. And that we have the power of your word in our mouth. And so Lord, we consciously, deliberately, intentionally begin to interact with unbelievers. Recognizing that the power of their life is in what we say. And so God, anoint our words as never before. Thank you for your gifts of the spirit that is in operation in our lives. So we can design and accurately see where they are and become the salt in their lives and the light of the world. We receive our commissioning. We take it seriously. We recognize that you are counting on us to reach your world. And so Father God, we accept the challenge. We thank you Lord God for souls that will be touched. Men and women that will be saved by the result of the testimony of our lives. Thank you, Father God. We honor you. We bless you. We praise your name forever. For in Jesus' name, we have prayed. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. So go and be a blessing to your generation in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Give the Lord praise this afternoon.